Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. This week's scripture reading is Psalm 115, verses 14 through 16. May the Lord give you successes, and may God give you and your children successes. May you be blessed by the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Heaven belongs to the Lord, but God gave the earth to people. Christianity is a powerful force within our nation. No surprise. Those that come up with the policies that will govern us, those who come up with the laws by which we will live our lives, the vast majority of these individuals, they are Christians. And so when it comes to their thinking of what is best for our nation and what is best for our world, they can't just set that aside. It influences how they think and how they perceive the situation that is before them. We see this most clearly in the issue of global warming, climate change, and our environments. Again, Christianity, like in the past, is divided on this issue. There are those who look at this issue and believe that it is serious enough that if we don't act right now, to change the trajectory that our world is on, we're going to be in trouble. Then there are other Christians who look at the issue and say that, no, we have no control over the situation that we find ourselves in. Again, this creates this division between the two. But not only is there a division in different ideas, But within Christianity, we see that one side sees the other side as a threat, and vice versa. This is seen so clearly in the video that you are about to see, entitled, Resisting the Green Dragon. Watch closely. In what has become one of the greatest deceptions of our day, radical environmentalism is striving to put America and the world under its destructive control. This so-called green dragon is seducing your children in our classrooms and popular culture. Its lust for political power now extends to the highest global levels. And its twisted view of the world elevates nature above the needs of people, of even the poorest and the most helpless. With millions falling prey to its spiritual deception, the time is now to stand and resist. The religious and political environmental movement, what we call the Green Dragon, has become one of the greatest threats to society and the church in our day. Taking care of the earth sounds like a good idea because it is a good idea. What most Christians don't understand is that environmentalism is a whole worldview. 
it offers its own doctrines of God, of creation, of humanity, of sin, and of redemption. I think the fear-mongering is uh, simply a way of obtaining power. Whoever controls the environmental regulations controls the economy, controls the population. Most environmentalists want to greatly reduce human population, which is why the Green Movement and the population control and reduction movements have gone hand in hand. The Green Dragon series is not simply about global warming. This is a 12-week series about properly understanding the times in which we live and properly understanding a biblical response to the times in which we live. In this series of lectures, we have some of the world's leading Christian experts addressing one of the greatest threats that now faces society and the church. We call this resisting the green dragon. If you noticed in that video some of the key words, they said that the green dragon is a, and notice, a religious, an economical, and an environmental, and a political movement. And the first one they talk about is its religious movement. The sense being that within Christianity, this green dragon is a threat to the church itself. And that it is built upon false doctrine around God and about the sin and the nature of humanity. But how did we get here? How did we get to the point that global warming would become one of the greatest issues to divide Christianity? In order to find that answer, we need to go back to the 2000s, the early 2000s. During this period of time, there were environmentalists who realized that the only way they were ever going to get through government any type of laws that would regulate our carbon footprint on our world was by being able to take a few Republicans and sway them and move them over so that they would vote with the rest of Democrats. The environmentalists also realized that since the 1970s, that evangelical Christianity and the Republicans have been joined together. So if they were going to be able to sway some Republicans, they were going to also have to sway some evangelicals. And so they begin this effort to bring about an awareness of what was happening in our world, what was happening to our world, how it was warming up. And from 2000 through 2005, they saw great success. By 2006, throughout the media, they were putting out there the idea that evangelical Christians were now supporting climate change and were willing to make the changes that would be necessary for us to slow that down. But with any movement, there will be a counter-movement. And that's exactly what happened this time again. As the Christian right and some of the Republicans began to see what was taking place, they felt a sense of threat. For the Republicans, this threat came from those that were supporting them, especially those within the fossil fuel industry. They were putting a great deal of money 
into making sure that regulations would continue to be rolled back or new regulations would not take place. And so when they begin to see Republicans beginning to move in a direction that they were uncomfortable with, they begin to apply pressure to them. I mean, this isn't just ideas that I think of. It's actually there. You can watch Republicans who in 2000 begin to acknowledge, yes, we have global warming taking place. But by 2006, they had actually reversed it and, be, and publicly said that they doubted the science behind global warming. So that was one effort was on the Republican side. On the other side was the evangelicals. There were some of the stalwart of the Christian right movement who began to realize that this new emphasis on climate change was becoming a distraction to the core three ideas that evangelicals had united behind. Abortion, morality, and in particular, same-sex marriage, and religious freedom. That's where all their time and effort had been focused on, were those three things. And they begin to realize that if evangelicals begin to focus upon climate change, that these three might take a hit. So they also begin to apply pressure upon their fellow evangelicals to encourage them to begin to doubt what climate change was saying as well as to encourage them to rethink how the Bible and theology addressed the climate issues. For the next couple years, there were different organizations that were established with that end in mind to sway evangelicals back and have them become skeptical about global warming. And it began to work. The video that you saw earlier it was created by one of these organizations called the Cornwell Alliance. And they succinctly state their idea of why they see global warming as a threat to the Christian church. From their website, I found the following, and it says, We believe global warming alarmism fails the test of theology, science, and economics. Now, in working for this sermon, I decided to stay within my wheelhouse, my niche. And so when I saw the word that fails the test of theology, that's what I focused in on. Science and economics, I can read about it, but that's not my main focus. So instead of talking about those, I want us to focus in on what they say about theology and global warming. They say that global warming rests on poor theology with a worldview of the earth and its climate system contrary to that taught in the Bible. Our examination of theology, worldview, and ethics finds that global warming alarmism wrongly views the earth and its ecosystems as the fragile product of chance, not the robust, resilient, self-regulating, and self-correcting product of God's wise design and powerful sustaining. We conclude 
that humans have very little influence on the Earth's climate. And from that, it follows that they have very little ability to control it. What are they saying? In a nutshell, they take Genesis 1 and 2 literally. God created the world. God is in control of the world. So instead of seeing humanity as being the force behind global warming, they see God creating a world that has within it this ebb and flow, this warming and this cooling, this warming and this cooling. And human beings have little or no influence upon that. Because if they did, it would mean that God is not in control. And so instead of seeing this as a, an idea that if we're not careful, we could end up being in trouble and perhaps even destroying ourselves, many evangelicals believe that God is in control of this. And therefore, we have nothing to worry about. And there's nothing that we can do about it. This idea does not negate evangelicals from supporting the environment. There are many evangelicals, the majority of evangelicals, who believe that it is our responsibility to care for our environment, that it is God's gift to us. Where they stop is that idea of doing anything to lessen our carbon footprint on the earth because it isn't going to make a difference. They support environmentalism, but when it comes to pulling back on our use of fossil fuels, eh, it's not really that important. And they believe that that will create a huge economic fallout for our country and throughout our world. Robin Veldman wrote a book entitled The Gospel of Climate Skepticism, Why American Evangelical Christians Oppose Action on Climate Change. Fascinating book. And she, in two sentences, cuts to the core of the issue of global warming and Christianity. She says the following, Evangelicals are the Christians who matter the most when it comes to climate because of their political affiliations. If Republican leaders aren't getting pressure from them, then it doesn't matter if the Christians who are Democrats are really pushing hard, but the Christians who are Republicans are not. She's saying that it really boils down to the evangelicals and their link with the Republicans. And until evangelicals have a different view of global warming, nothing's going to change as far as policies and regulations to stop the carbon footprint in our world. So, what are we supposed to do? 
I mean, that sounds pretty hopeless, right? I think there are some things we can do. I'm going to offer you four ideas for you to consider. Number one, be informed and stay informed. Be informed, number one, about the science behind global warming. Take the time. Find a good book on global warming and read it and become informed on what science is saying about this issue. But not only be informed in the area of science, but be informed when it comes to your own Christian beliefs. Not only your beliefs, but evangelical beliefs. Because the evangelical community has a particular way in which they view the Bible, and from that, their understanding of God, and their understanding of humanity, and all of that together informs how they look at the issue of global warming. But what about us? Do we have a true sense, individually and collectively, of how we see these things? I mean, what does the Bible mean to you? What does it mean to us as Church of the Beatitudes? Do we take the time to read it and understand it? And while we may not see it as inspired or the inerrant, infallible Word of God, that doesn't mean that we ignore it. If we are going to have a conversation within Christianity, we have to understand not only how they see the Bible, but how we see the Bible. And the only way to understand the Bible is to actually take the time to read it. And so become informed about the Bible, not just about reading the Bible, but actually reading the Bible. And from that reading will come your idea of God. I mean, ask yourself, how involved is God in our world? If, if you believe in evolution, then what role does God play in our world right now? If you see God active and involved in your life, then what does that mean as far as God's involvement in our world? Is God in control? If you don't think about those things, then that will impact how you see global warming and how your conversation would go with other Christians. And not only that, but then it becomes our idea of humanity. Is humanity above the rest of the world? Or is humanity one with the world? Are we to have dominion over the world? Or are we to work intertwined with the world? Again, if we don't take the time to think about these things, then our convictions won't be solid. And that's the second thing that we can do, is once we've become informed, we need to have a sense of conviction of where we stand. 
Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to change our ideas. We're not going to change our opinions. That will happen. But first and foremost, we have to be able to be rooted and say, at this moment, these are my convictions. This is where I stand on this issue of global warming. And then out of that, you will make decisions about how you will vote for those who will represent you. The challenge that we're facing right now is that we have taken global warming and we've turned it into this sense of a political, only a political issue. And so if you're a Republican, you vote Republican. If you're a Democrat, you vote the Democrat line. But as Christians, before we look at Republican and Democrat, we need to step back and say, what is it that my principles and values that I derive from the Bible and my understanding of God and humanity, how does that inform my decisions and who I will vote for to represent me on all levels, from the city to the state to the federal level? So not only will you be informed, but you will have a sense of conviction. At this moment, this is where I stand on the issue of global warming. Number three, rethink and consider your position and your relationship to fossil fuel. It's really easy not to think about this one. We need cars. We need heat. We need electricity. But the bigger question is, how do we get those things? Primarily, it has been through fossil fuel. Is it worth taking the money and the effort to develop new resources that will provide us the energy that we do need not only here in America, but throughout the world? And can we create those resources in a way that will help those poor nations be able to have and harness that and in order to increase the quality of their life? The way we've done it, you have to decide, is that helpful or harmful to the future of our world? And if it is harmful, what can we do to create something that will be more helpful? And that means thinking about your relationship to fossil fuel and the companies that harness it. I listened to a sermon this week by an individual who preached at Riverside Church in New York some years ago. And he ended this sermon by encouraging people to divest their investments from fossil fuel companies. Because he felt that if we would pull our money back, they would get the hint that they needed to take their resources and put them into a new direction. Is that a good idea? I could give you my opinion, but that won't matter. What matters is, what do you think about it? So become informed. Find your convictions. Think about your relationship to 
the fossil fuel industry. And then number four, don't be afraid to read and talk to other Christians who see things differently than you. They're not the enemy. They are one with us. They are the same ones who choose to take and hang their hat on the name and the banner of Christian, Christians, just like us. So we need to understand them, but we need to enter into dialogue with them. Not to try to change their minds, but to try to understand them. We right now are in a transformative period in the history of our world. And you know this. COVID-19 is transforming us. It's radically impacting our lives individually and all the different levels of our world. I don't think any of us understand and realize what our world will be like in the next 10 years because of this COVID-19 pandemic. But we're also in a transformative period of time when it comes to global warming. It doesn't matter if you think about it or if you don't think about it. The world is warming. You have to decide is it just a natural process that God is in control of? Or is it something that we as human beings are doing and that we can change and alter the trajectory that we are on as a world? This is a transformative time. It's really an exciting time. So don't sleep through it. Be wide awake. You can make a difference. And you may say, no, 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 I can't make a difference. Yes, you can. It may be in a small way and it may be in a large way. That doesn't matter. You make a difference. So please take the time to understand the impact this has on your life and in all of our lives. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.